friends. I'm Lee Henson Hasty. I'm the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development at the Presbyterian Foundation with the Committee on Theological Education. And I'm here today with my favorite theologian, uh, Elizabeth Henson Hasty. She really is. Ever since I saw her in Hebrew Exegesis class uh, in 1993, last year, 25 years, Elizabeth, mm -hmm. you remember, 25 years. That's right. Married. And um, thanks for being here today. I know you're teaching, you're president-elect of the faculty at Bellarmine. You got a lot going on. You're, you know, you're the running partner of our daughter because I can't do it with my bum <laughs> knee. Uh, so I know there's a lot on your plates. And uh, you have to you have to take care of me, you know, too. Um, so I'm just grateful for you always, every day. And uh, this is a special interview today. And it's because Elizabeth's been doing some work, which she does a lot, sort of in the background. And we like here to lift up those voices and that work. And I'm just glad that you're here. So thanks. Thanks for being here today. I'm excited about it. Thank you. Thanks Good. for having me. Good. And um, uh, she's been running and she she had she had a great time this morning, everybody. So she's all revved up, I know, uh, and ready. I wanted to, to start before we move um, to the question I always ask about vocation. Uh, and before I introduce you as part of an introduction, one of Elizabeth's early books, some of you have and pastors, I've given mm -hmm. this away. Um, it's an edited book of prayers, the new, new social uh, awakening, prayers for a new social awakening, inspired by the new social creed. This was back in 2008. And Elizabeth wrote a prayer in here for those without a place to call home. And in that prayer, it lifts up uh, women. We're talking about women uh, reformed and always reforming uh, as part of the celebration of the 100 years of suffrage for women. And in that prayer, she says, you have reminded us, O oh God, through the stories of Hagar, Job, Naomi, Jonah, and Dinah, through the stories of those who've lost their own sense of identity and worth, through their stories of those without a home of their own, through the stories of those who fled their homes as refugees, that you hear us when we are most vulnerable and travel with us in our greatest time of need. And I just wanna say that I think that prayer is at the center of who you are, traveling with those who are vulnerable, um, teaching a class like Theology from the Margins, um, writing a book on a woman and the social gospel as your dissertation beyond the social maze, Vidya Dutton Scudder's exploration of her theological ethics. Um, reach lifting up especially women along the way as you're writing i don't have all of your books here but many of them one of my favorite that i don't have is a recently uh, contributed essay about gossip uh, and reclaiming gossip as god speak right mm -hmm. god Based sib that's from the old english god sib god sib i mean i, I could, what's the name of the book embracing encountering the sacred uh, and it draws on stories of women's lives. It's uh, edited, actually, by two great Presbyterian women, uh, Rebecca Todd Peters and Grace Cow. So really wow. worth uh, reading. Has some wonderful essays in there, too, from other women who are teaching and, and 
um, writing uh, throughout the United States, uh, trying to bring attention to the uniqueness of women's experiences uh, as they reflect theologically. Which is what you do. Your women and mystics class um, at Bellarmine, I know, is booked up um, semester after semester, sometimes ahead of time. And she's the professor of theology, chair of theology at Bellarmine University, also ordained a member of the Presbyterian of Mid-Kentucky, um, and gives me a hard time because I've not joined her same Presbyterian. <laughs> we do worship at the same church, uh, however, um, and she just, uh, lots of wonderful, you know, work. I, one of the more recent books, too, is um, an essay with you and your, your theological uh, dissertation advisor, Doug Otati, on mentoring, entitled Mentoring with Humane Disposition, Attitude, and Imagination. Uh, mm-hmm. To do justice, you mentioned uh, Toddy Peters, uh, this book you co-edited with her, which is great for Sunday school classes. Some people may not know, though, you've written things like um, in this World Council of Churches uh, book, uh, African Growth and Opportunity Act, Who Benefits? This is what theological mm-hmm. ethicists do. Um, and that issue of poverty became the, book, the award-winning book you wrote, The Problem of Wealth. I know some of that research. I, we, we've run out of copies here at home because we give it away. Um, Dorothy Day for Armchair Theologians with Westminster John Knox Press. Um, I'm just grateful for you as a teacher and a leader. Um, a Fulbright scholar in Hungary. Um, y'all, I could go on a long time, but I better stop. We're going to post her her CV in the, in the chat there and take a look. Uh, there's a lot of things to read and learn about. Um, that she's done and is doing, and there's a new book uh, coming out, and we uh, we've seen a preview of the cover. Tell us the mm-hmm. name of that book. Dutiful love uh, and empowering individuals and families affected by mental illness. Great. Um, and today you're on the show because you were part of the chair uh, in a consultation that inspired the study on the status of women that then led to that report. We'll put that link in the line if you've not read that uh, gender and leadership report and study. That's extremely important. And then this video series that is just premiering um, late last month, sort of on the down low, soft launch, but now launched with the O Academy. Um, and we'll post the links of those. Those are free for everybody. But we're going to talk to you about those here. Before we get to that, um, I'd like to ask you, what is it that is the work your soul must have? You know, I've given a pitch for what I think it might be. What What is it that is making you come alive, as Howard mm. Thurman said? Um, mm. Elizabeth? Yeah, I love that Thurman quote. Um, you know, I guess that's always, a, I, I want to say that's ever-changing. But at the moment, in the midst of the COVID pandemic and with all of the distancing measures and, and really the kind of isolation that um, we've all been living in, in in the last few months, one of the things that's made me come, ablo- come alive is watching my students, even in online classes, um, really have new discoveries. Uh, I taught this last semester uh, two classes on a migrant's journey, and we spent the beginning of the, the semester reading the biblical text from the perspective of migration and uh, used, drew upon some, some work of some other great Presbyterian scholars like Margaret Amer. Um, to think about, you know, the Bible as a story of migration and just seeing um, the kind of new imagination that they had after exploring the biblical text in that way 
really helped make me come alive. So I guess that's one professional response. And I mean, you mentioned Lee a lot about family and I definitely would say that it's true uh, in recent weeks running has made me come alive because um, it's not just about uh, the feet on the pavement and the kind of feeling that that, that gives to you physically uh, and the emotional release of being outside, but it's also an opportunity in our city to see people. And mm -hmm. so, you know, to run in the park and see people really um, having opportunities to speak with one another and to be in community, even with some distance there is invigorating, especially, you know, at this point in time. Right. Yeah. I, 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 it's been fun watching you and Emmy uh, run and, um, and I've seen how it, it's centered. You come back different, you know, from that. And, you know, er, um, I know earlier in the pandemic, you were walking more and you were taking pictures and you could see that like it, you were, I, I noticed when we walked together, folks should know that that's sort of how we got together. We started walking together in seminary and um, now we walk the dog usually and talk. Um, but I noticed that you are taking more time to sort of notice smaller things around, still asking always the bigger questions, um, but definitely uh, noticing those things. Um, but one of those, the questions is always central to you, and I'll say as a reformed and feminist uh, social gospel uh, type um, liberationist theologian, that um, you are always lifting up the, the voices long silence, as we say in the brief statement of faith, particularly those of women. And so tell us about this video series. It's called Expanding mm -hmm. the Narrative because you're trying to expand the narrative, include women's voices, right? Mm -hmm. Where did this get started? Just give us a little sketch mm -hmm. of how we got to this video series. Why this video series? It all makes sense to, I think, anybody who's watching because you don't have these resources. But how did you get there? Where did it start? And it started with actually action in the General Assembly, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me say, you know, it, it's nice to have an opportunity and, and the privilege to really talk about um, this video series, but it certainly isn't um, work that I did alone. This is, uh, was a very collaborative project and it came uh, originally out of the Advocacy Committee for Women's Concerns and uh, was partly instigated by a question that was uh, raised by Lillian Oates. There may be people who are watching that know Lillian. She was a wonderful uh, leader in Presbyterian Women and also uh, in ACWC at that time. And she had a, a significant question about um, the denomination at the time, which was um, there were about 63% women. Mm -hmm. um, and she wondered why it was that in a denomination that ordained women that we also didn't see the same number of pastoral leaders uh, serving right. congregations across right. the, uh, the denomination uh, that, that were also women. And so that just began a conversation in ACWC and uh, raised a number of different questions um, that led to General Assembly action and the creation of a design team uh, to design a churchwide study of the status of women. Um, mm -hmm. And I helped to chair that committee. Uh, and uh, as part of our uh, proposal for the design team, we, we wanted both a sociological study within the denomination and a theological study. 
really a theological cons a consultation that would create new resources. If some of you who are, are watching may remember the old resources, we had a series of um, brochures. Uh, they really looked more like brochures, but they were short papers that were produced uh, by the denomination. And they were on womanist theology, which was written by Katie Geneva Cannon. There was one on feminist theology that was written by Cynthia Campbell. And then there was one on Korean women's theology that was written by Unzu Lee. And I'm not sure that, that, that there were others, but those are the three that I remember that actually we were introduced to in seminary at Louisville Seminary right. uh, through a meeting at the Women's Center. Um, those were very important uh, texts, uh, documents that were intended to encourage uh, really church-wide study of theologies emerging from women's experiences. So when we were de designing the sociological study and theological consultation, we always had in the back of our mind that we needed new resources and we need to re reach out to Presbyterians in a different way than we had in the past. Um, and we wanted a resource that would be more widely used. Right. So um, just to sum up there, the, the sociological study uh, was produced. It was uh, originally designed by Angie Andriot and Deb Coe. Uh, in research services, and you can read that online. It's the Gender and Leadership Study. Uh, it was uh, released, I believe, in 2018. And then uh, we did the same year that that was, uh, the study was getting ready to be released. We had a theological consultation that was held at McCormick Seminary. And uh, there were three different kinds of efforts that were to come out of that particular consultation. And one of them was the production of educational resources. And so the video series that uh, is now available on uh, Theo Academy is uh, the final kind of product of that. Um, and really, I think a very rich resource, an exciting resource uh, for the denomination and something that we really haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I see there are some women pastors, Anna Pickney Strait, who you recognized earlier, Terry Ott, uh, who's chaplain at Monmouth College. Um, actually, she has a more prestigious role than that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Rebecca um, Malozzi, who's in Pennsylvania, uh, Craig, Jody Craig, Craig Lowe, who is um, in um in Illinois and part of the Committee on Theological Education, but it's not just for women. This is for this is for others. I'm thinking, and we, I remember right out of seminary teaching confirmation in Virginia, and you helping me. That wonderful confirmation curriculum there, but not very many women in that curriculum. And we made we added, you know, we added some women mystics. Um, um, we added people in their own voices. I mean, this is this is a lifelong project for you, and uh, I definitely join you in it. But I'm I'm your student in this area, and and the, this six these six videos um, have some interesting titles. How they're set up, they're about 25 minutes a piece. They have questions at the end, which, by the way, that's sort of your how you do things. That's in this book. That's in um, that's in to do justice. They're set up. For people to learn, right? I mean, this is part of what you're you're up to, right? Is not just this being you being the expert, right? Is that, is that how you would say? And that's even part of this whole project. It's not your voice primarily; it's other voices. Like, I mean, the list is amazing. Who are who are in this? Uh, Iniko, who was on the 
on the call, Shannon Craig Snell from Louisville Seminary, Cindy Rigby, Austin Seminary, mm -hmm. Mihi Kim Court, uh, Angela Johnson, um, oh, Angela from Kowser, Kowser, uh, June Hahn, Eric Barreto, Kate Trigger Duffert, uh, Carol Holbrook Prickett, David Daniels, Carmen Rosario, I mean, just a whole, Joanne Rodriguez, who's also uh, on the on the planning team. Um, you, it's lifting up their voices and others, right? I mean, that's that's what this is all about. And bringing your own voice, my voice and the voice of whoever's watching into the room. Well, it's, re it's really about a, um, a paradigm shift, I would say. So, okay. I mean, part of what uh, the objective of our planning, planning team, and, and let me mention the planning team. So the members of the planning team included Carrie Allen, who has also been, uh, she's now mm -hmm. a, one of the chairs of MRTI and uh, was very involved in the study on uh, black women and girls that recently uh, was uh, presented at General Assembly. Um, it, also, um, Matilda Moros, who's a reformed theologian that teaches in women and gender studies uh, at VCU, Joanne Rodriguez, uh, Hispanic Theological Institute at Princeton, uh, and myself. And we were, we were helped by um, a staff member, Beth Olker, uh, in uh, racial equity and women's intercultural ministries right. in the denominational office, uh, offices. And part of what we were really trying to do is to say that, you know, one of the reasons that we need, need new educational resources is because um, we really need to go beyond program development, particularly when we think about the circumstances of women in the denomination and worldwide, but also when we think about moving beyond the gender binary and we begin to introduce in our broader denomination, uh, not only theologies that are emerging from women's experiences, but also queer theologies, the experiences of uh, LBGTQIA people and how do we begin to reflect theologically in a way that really expands our broader narrative and invites us into um, new ways of experiencing God and working in the midst of community and making decisions to uh, really move beyond just inclusion of these voices toward creating an authentic community of belonging that reflects, you know, the kind of vibrancy of our Reformed tradition. Um, and so I think what the series represents is really an organic process that invites us into that larger conversation denominationally. And I'll just mention here, you know, part of the process, um, Landon Witsit uh, was uh, our videographer and uh, one of the primary producers here. And any of you that may have used some of his other resources from Theo Academy, um, will be well aware that uh, he uses a kind of organic process, which I found very challenging at first. I mean, Lee was showing some of my texts, uh, some of the books that I have worked on throughout my academic career, and I have a kind of you, linear you, process but through which well. I do that. He lives with me, so he knows. <laughs> Um, but that's not at all how these videos were produced. Um, we sat down actually with an agenda that uh, I had helped to create with the uh, planning team and with people who came to our two uh, main filming sessions. Mm -hmm. um, but then what we ended up doing was really listening, sitting down with the people who were invited to be part of the project mm -hmm. and really listening to them and uh, being in conversation together and after listening initially in our first taping session, 
which Angela Johnson and Iniko uh, Ferenczi and Carmen Rosario um, had given a series of lectures. June Hahn also gave a lecture that she had prepared to present. We listened to those and then the next day, um, well, I simply sat down and I raised a series of questions that really emerged from listening to their lectures. And then uh, we filmed their responses in interviews. Um, the responses were so profound that after the interviews, uh, Landon um, kind of sidled up to me after um, a snack one day when we were filming over at Louisville Seminary. And he said, you know, I think that these cameo shots, these interviews, these conversations between um, uh, people who are present here need to be the centerpiece of these videos. And so that's exactly how the six videos uh, ended up really being produced. And much of the language, the titles of the videos have come from uh, comments that were made by people who are willing to be interviewed for them um, or themes that were raised. Um, and uh, they really ended up being the product of a larger collective community um, and we just helped to set the conditions uh, that invited that kind of rich, organic, uh, and developing conversation. Right. I, there, there are some traditional, I've looked at um, most of the videos, um, and there are some kind of traditional lecture pieces in there. Mm -hmm. but the, the vast majority are these responses and even mm -hmm. conversations between two and three folks. And those are, are very engaging. Um, and uh, I'm seeing in the list, uh, Hannah Shell, who teaches at, uh, what's teaching at Monmouth? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's still true. She's um, now at, um, she's now at the Council of Independent Colleges working okay, on their. Okay. Yeah, adding some names here. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what this is all about. Rose, Rose Niles, who is probably my second favorite theologian out there is also <laughs> on here. Um, shout out to Rose, who's with Austin Seminary. Um, yes, yeah, so the themes are, I mean, the, the, it's Neglected Stories is the first one, Beyond Calvin, which we, you, you might can you guess, uh, people <laughs> who are looking, Reforming Movements, with an S, mm -hmm. is the third, Finding Our Own Voice, which is part of this, Transforming Identity, and then it finishes with Loving Justice. Um, one of my favorite questions, you mentioned earlier, you started asking some questions, and most of the folks who were interviewed were asked this question. And so I'm going to ask you this question um, and mm. kind of give people a taste for what it's about. You know what's coming is, what is your date for the Reformation? Mm. Yeah, That's the a most... question you asked every, that were asked most of the folks and they, friends, it was not all in the 16th century. No, actually, what's interesting in that particular uh, video, which I think is Reforming Movements, is the video mm -hmm. that uh, invites people to think through that question uh, surprisingly, there was only one uh, person who responded with 1517, you know, the historic uh, uh, date of uh, Martin Luther tacking 95 theses uh, on the door of a church in Wittenberg. And um, I'm, I'm going to stand by my date, I think, um, that I used in that particular video, which is 1920. And perhaps I'm celebrating that even more this year uh, now in the wake of an election. Um, I was raised in a household where um, most of our conversations were really about the two things that you're always supposed to avoid in polite conversation, religion and politics. <laughs> and so that 1920 date is incredibly important to me. And when I think about um, the many people 
Women's um, right to vote. Women's, women's right, to vote. right to vote. And, mm-hmm. you know, here we are in a year long celebration of women's suffrage. Uh, and when I think about all of the people that it has taken uh, throughout the many years, for the last hundred years, and not just that uh, one uh, uh, year, 1920, but for the last hundred years to be able to struggle to have the, their vote count. And right. even having to remember that again this year, um, that is an incredibly important date to me for a date of the well, Reformation. When, when you look at the statistics of the vote, you know, mm-hmm. the last number of elections, but particularly 2020, and I'd say women of color in particular, mm-hmm. um, made a tremendous difference um, in terms of, of the outcome of the election. So um, it's it's a date worth celebrating and it continues to reform us. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, you're, you're, you're right on point. Another question you, you, um, you is asked in this series is about things that need stories that need to be remembered in terms of the Reformation. Is there a particular where short story that you think needs to be remembered that maybe most folks don't? Oh my, you know, I, I mean, this gives me an opportunity to plug the second video, which, which I really wanted to have. And if Rose Niles is watching, she'll understand the importance of this. Um, the second one is called Beyond Calvin, as Lee mentioned. And Um, Part of the intention of that particular video is to have uh, a resource for confirmation and uh, to help another generation of Presbyterians not only understand some of the kind of central canon of reformers, uh, you know, John Calvin, Martin Luther, um, those figures whose names we all remember, but to claim the women who played key roles in the historic Reformation. You know, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of uh, the Reformation uh, in 2017, uh, and still there's no statue in Geneva to honor Marie Dontieri, who was one of the key leaders. And so when I think of, you know, something to remember of those reformers, you know, she had the courage and the audacity to write to a queen uh, and to defend women's rights to preach on the basis of the biblical text. And um, remind us the year. Six, that, was in, that was in the 16th century. You know, I don't remember the exact year uh, off the top of my head, to be honest with you, Lee, but, um, you know, very near uh, to the dates of uh, the publication of the Institutes, uh, which would be 1536. Uh, and, you know, there's some wonderful resources that are provided in that video, too, to remember women from Hungary, um, right. from Central Europe, which is a story that is not told very often, as well as Carmen right. Rosario, who is a, a fantastic oh, wow. uh, historian. Um, she remembers women in Spain. And uh, something that's not included in that video that will be posted later on the website, there'll be some additional resources that we add later to the website as we have time. Uh, to edit them, uh, is the full length of her lecture where she reads uh, women who uh, were tried as part of the Inquisition in Spain, and she sees them as significant reformed leaders, and as she reads off their names, she tells the story uh, uh, as to uh, why we only have the memory of these women uh, in a record of their trials, you know, so they're not present in other history. Wow. But we have a memory of them in terms of of the, the Inquisitor. 
the inquisition yeah the mm-hmm. inquisitor the questions uh-huh. that they were being asked and the property that was taken from from them um the penalties uh, other penalties mm-hmm. uh some of them even uh uh the death penalty because they wanted to advocate for reformed ideas and i remember i was as i was listening to her read that and as it was part of her lecture that i just kept thinking of all the other people that are named today who are standing in solidarity, uh, who are part of reformed movements. And we're still reading off these lists of names of people who have been placed in in vulnerable and precarious and sometimes dangerous positions because of their beliefs. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's quite a powerful kind of uh, video, I think, but also it conveys a powerful understanding of what reform movements are all about. Right. There's some great definitions of what makes a reformer. I mean, folks, you're going to love this series. Um, I, I know you will. And there's um, just grateful for the work you've done on that. Grateful for your scholarship, Elizabeth, um, all that you are, who you are. And, and not just because uh, you're my spouse, but I think you're a real gift to the church and the world, um, to your students. Um, and we're your students. I'm one of your students, too. Uh, you've said it here. It's now on the internet <laughs> so, and beyond. I wanted to do something a little different. You. I, thank you. I want to do something a little different that I haven't done. Um, Brene Brown often asks uh, a couple of rapid fire questions at the end of her interviews. I thought those would be kind of fun. So here's the, here's, here's the rapid fire questions. Um, Hallmark movies. Yes or no. Oh, gosh. Okay, you know that my answer was going to be no. Um, But I'm going to say, I guess, yes. What? (laughs) I'm going to change. I just want to I want to do something a little surprising. Okay. Post COVID, (laughs) what is the first thing you're going to do? Travel. Um, What is the book that you've read the most times besides the Bible? Hmm that I've read the most times. This is a strange one, but you you know me well enough uh, to understand why. It's called Socialism and Character. <laughs> That's Vita Dutton Scudder? It's Vita Dutton Scudder. <laughs> um, what is it that centers you? Running, absolutely. That's, that's and- a continual theme. And if I could supply you with a lifetime supply of ice cream in any one flavor, what would that flavor be? Oh, Kemp's Miz Tracks frozen yogurt. <laughs> I knew you were going to say frozen yogurt. <laughs> okay, you've heard it here, friends. Um, I'm just so grateful for you. We're going to, in a couple of weeks, cross your fingers. I think we have a really fun guest, uh, another theological ethicist. I've got to confirm with this person. Um, and writer and friend of ours. So I hope you'll join us in two weeks um, for that show. Um, But before we go, um, let me just say thanks all of you who've joined us. Feel free to share this, Facebook, YouTube, uh, and um, and our Leading Theologically podcast. I invite you all, if you haven't, to subscribe and also review um, our podcast on uh, any, wherever you get your podcast, Leading uh, Theologically. And as we close, uh, Elizabeth, um, Pam Prouty, uh, our close friend, is on here. Um, so many others. Uh, Belinda Curry uh, is here. Terry Epling, who went to seminary with, um, who's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. 
Um, could you offer a blessing, charge, benediction for us, please? Sure. Um, I appreciated the prayer you picked at the beginning. And, and I had, uh, we hadn't talked about this, but I had a kind of similar theme for charge. You know, we're, we're on the road to Bethlehem here in Advent and, you know, reflecting on the forced migration of Mary and Joseph as we await for Christ to be born again today. And I really want to emphasize, you know, in hearing uh, the voices of the participants in this video series, that it's, it's more than just inviting us to have a conversation or to create a program that helps us uh, understand women's experience, deepen our knowledge there, and also expand the gender binary and reflect on different theologies. What these uh, people are calling for is really a paradigm shift that helps us think about our vocation in terms of solidarity and justice. Uh, and uh, I guess I leave that with um, as a kind of charge or a call or a new way of think about, thinking about vocation in 2020. And I just wanted to offer a prayer. This is a prayer I adapted from a World Council of Churches resource uh, for women in empowerment. And you can look online if you're interested in some of, of their prayers. So. If you would all join with me as we pray together uh, for women and uh, LBGTQIA people around the world. Life-giving and loving God, whose ears are always open and whose voice is heard among us in cries of distress and joy. We give you our deepest thanks for the many, many people, especially women today, who act for the common good. We give you thanks, O Holy One, in our midst for those who live in cities and who organize. They organize themselves to demonstrate on the streets. They organize themselves into cooperatives to give life-giving care to their families and communities. And they collaborate to support each other and speak the truth. We pray for those, O Mother among us, those who defend the right for access to land, especially those who are indigenous to women, indigenous women. We give thanks for black women, oh God, who stand together up against prejudice and discrimination and who confront exclusion and segregation and who also manage to build solidarity and show us the way that we may join. God of justice and peace, give us energy today. Give us sustenance and invite us into your overwhelming imagination to remain committed in our vocation, oh God, to justice and to stand in solidarity together as we long for the community that you imagine for us. May that be our aim today and every day. Amen. Amen. And thank you, um, Elizabeth. Beautiful prayer and uh, just spoke the truth uh, once again to me and I think the others who are with us. Mm -hmm.